Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Braille Institute Telephone Lecture Series. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and this evening we're going to be talking about the importance and the benefits of computers for children with low vision. We have two really fantastic guests who have taught me everything that I know about computers, and every time I have problems with computers, these are the gentlemen that I go to. First, we have a teacher for the visually impaired who teaches in Anaheim, and I owe so much to this man because when I first began to lose my vision, it was something that I didn't want people to know. I kept it quiet, but I also did not know what I was going to do with my life. I knew that I could no longer be an eye doctor, and I didn't know how I was going to earn any money to help raise my family. But uh, I ran into Keith Christian at Open House at Nobel Middle School, and this man just changed my life. He made me realize that it is okay to be visually impaired. And he showed me, he literally showed me all the things that can be done with a computer. And when I saw how effective he was on the computer and working and making a living, but also doing all these recreational activities, I said, if he could do it, I could do this too. So without any further delay, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Keith Christian. Thank you, Keith. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Dr. Bill. Thank you again. You know, and I owe you so much. I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm going to take you guys out for sushi, all right? <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> Do you like sushi? <laughs> Absolutely. Love sushi. But oh, you've, you've, re, you've returned the favor over and over again, so it's mutual. Oh, God. Pleasure to be Thank here. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And our other guest this evening is another great, great friend of mine. I first met him at the Center for the Partially Sighted, and I asked him if he wouldn't mind working for us there, teaching people how to use computers and setting up computers. And he would travel to the homes of people all over Southern California, and he is truly a, a mastermind with respect to the computers and also just a great person. So... Julian Vargas, thank you so much for being on the show, Julian. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bell. It's a pleasure being here and uh, sharing whatever knowledge I can share. I know. Can you believe, Julian, we, we probably have, I don't even know, it's probably over 20 years that we've known each other or something like that, right? Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> close to that, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, and, and I hope you like sushi, too. Do you? <laughs> no, not necessarily a big sushi fan, but there's often other things at those restaurants that are good. So Okay, I'll, I'll bring a couple of double-doubles from In-N-Out and sneak them in for you. Okay? Oh, hey, now we're talking. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. If, if any of you have never tried this, somebody had told me about this, but I've always loved In-N-Out, but they said, order an In-N-Out burger animal style. And they put some other things in there, and it is fantastic. So order your next burger in and out animal style. So tonight we're going to talk about computers. And this just coincidentally happens to be a great time to talk about computers because about a week ago, my main computer, it broke. And without my computer, I just realized I just couldn't do hardly anything. I had my appointment book in there. I couldn't check email. And, you know, we receive so much communication by email nowadays, and I, I was just stuck. So I decided, well, i got to go and buy one real quickly. And I went over to Best Buy because it's close to my home. And as we started looking at the different computers and the salesperson began telling us about all the different computers and things, I realized this is going to be a very, very difficult decision. I, I really didn't know. Should I stay with a PC or should I be switching over to a Mac? 
should I be using an iPad? He was showing me things with an iPad. And then he started talking to me about, you know, the Windows computers with Chrome. But he also told me that Windows is new. And I was just really, really so, so confused. So tonight we're going to go ahead and ask these gentlemen as many questions as you would like to ask. And we'll open it up at the end of the conference so that you could ask those questions. But I'd like to begin, first of all, with you, Julian. I know that you're familiar with a lot of mobile devices, and uh, we'll also get into uh, some questions I want to ask you about the new cell phones. But for young kids with low vision, I'm a, a very strong believer that they should be introduced to computers. I know that there's yep. a lot of games, and it gives them eye-hand coordination. Uh, so what do you think when we have a, a infant that may be, you know, one year old, two years old, do you think that the Apple iPad is something that is effective for kids of that age? It, it certainly could be. And, you know, I, I want to just say this much about computers. Uh, really, uh, computers... Uh, do a lot of various things, and they've gotten smaller and smaller over time. And sometimes people think, oh, well, there's a difference. You know, a computer is this big uh, thing on my desktop or next to the tower with a bunch of wires and keyboard coming out of it and a monitor. And the truth is, yeah, that is a computer. But, uh, today's mobile devices, phones or, or, or iPads, uh, tablets, things like that, are just as much and in some cases even more powerful than the thing you've got sitting on or next to your desk. So um, there's many different things that qualify as computers. At the end of the day, they have a processor. They, they've got uh, a lot of the same components. So it's all interchangeable these days. And in a lot of cases, it makes more sense to, uh, to go for one of these types of devices as opposed to a full-blown operating system like Windows, which is very complicated, uh, you know, people who like to take course love to play something like Windows, but the average person, honestly, it, it wants to just communicate, wants to go on the Internet, uh, maybe needs to write paper or do, you know, do a spreadsheet, things like that. And these are all things that can nowadays be done with multi-devices, uh, and it's an operating system that is more modern and made to be very simple, very straightforward, uh, a lot less likelihood of getting into trouble with malware and things like that. It's not impossible, but it's a lot difficult because, again, it's a lockdown and uh, sandbox, if you will, just to use a, a, a geek term, um, oh, that uh -huh. uh, it just makes more sense. So as far as children goes, yeah, you know, iPads, I think, are great. Uh, it's a it's a, a user interface. We say UI. That's much more approachable. You know, they tap the screen with their finger and something happens. They don't have to think about tapping a start button and then typing in there or looking through this menu for that. It's just really straightforward. You touch that icon, an app opens up, and there it is. There's things in front of you that you can just tap on and swipe around, and they catch on to it very quick. So absolutely, uh, I think uh, tablets are very uh, natural. Thrill. And now, uh, Julian, do you know what, what are the different... Uh, variables or terms of features of the iPad, are they available in different sizes and different memory, or is it really just one particular, you know, option that you have? No, they come in different sizes, different capacities, uh, some that only connect to Wi-Fi, others that have a cellular radio in them, so it really depends. And Apple is really moving toward uh, making this the computer that for most people the, the, the iPad Pros, for example, are getting more and more powerful. The, the latest operating system that came out, which is really iOS 13, but in the iPad now, they've taken to calling it iPad OS, which means that it's going to have features unique to the iPad, and it's all about making that device a lot more productive and a lot more flexible so that it starts to more closely resemble the things that you can do on a full-blown computer. Now, what's the range in price of, of uh, the basic, the most basic iPad to the iPad Pro? I think uh, recently when Apple announced the new hardware, 
their entry-level iPad is somewhere around the $329 mark, so it's, it's pretty wow. uh, reachable. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, you can go way up uh, uh, near or over $1,000. It just depends on uh, on how much you want it to do, how much memory, how much capacity. Wow. Wow, that's that's very reasonable. I mean, that is very reasonable. Actually, there are magnifiers for kids with low vision that costs more than $300. So, you know, that type of iPad, uh, the kids could play video games, right? There's a lot of different things they do, listen to music, watch videos. Wow. Now, now, Mr. Christian, how about in your class, are the iPads something that are available in your class? Or I was always under the impression that most schools did not purchase Apple products because they were too expensive. Is is that the case? Well, we did start out having a lot of um, iPads when they came out. They seemed to be a very popular system for um, for a couple of years until the uh, the uh, arrival of the Chromebook craze. Um, we still use them. I find them extremely valuable, especially for... Um, Low vision, well, even blind kids are reading Braille, but low vision kids have a, a, a really easy interface to interact with to adjust, like you were talking about, uh, being able to adjust the size of the print by just using pinching gestures. You're not having to use keyboard commands or a mouse to, to really uh, customize the interface for uh, the kids to be able to use it efficiently. You're able to just you know, very easily just touch the screen with their two fingers or a couple fingers and spread their fingers out to make it bigger or smaller. They're able to uh, um, download books that uh, have uh, uh, color, you know, color pictures that can read to them as well as you can learn to read uh, along with and so on. They're 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 quite useful. Um, I I like to um, get kids to start learning how to type using a Bluetooth keyboard with an iPad and and start sending email to their parents and teachers, just a quick message and so on to get them kind of introduced to the idea that it, that you can use an iPad for um, for uh, more than just games and, and uh, a magnifying glass. Wow, that's great. That is really great. And, yeah, I know that feature where you could pinch with your fingers to make things bigger and smaller. I mean, it's very, mm-hmm. very simple. The other thing that I have also noticed is that a lot of parents have told me how much that they really use the iPad with their two- and three-year-olds when they're mm-hmm. reading. They read books to their child with the iPad, and they say, well, they really like it because if they try to hold a, a laptop computer and the child's laying down in bed and mom or dad's laying down with them, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do that because you got the keyboard in the way and things. But the iPad, they could bring it even closer to the child to make it easier for the child to see it. I think it also helps to have um, tools that parents use, brothers and sisters use, and also uh, peers in the classroom use so that it's not like an assistive technology device that's uh, something that they, they're um, not wanting to use because it's different. Plus, they can get support from a, a big um, concern that we have of, of recommending technology is is, is you know, it, it, it isn't always what's the best tool, whether it's an Apple or a PC. It's a lot of it is, is um, what sort of people, what, what sort of devices are you going to be surrounded by, and who you have support from. So he uses those devices. So I, I hear all the time. You know, we're we're we use PCs and, and Chromebooks, and uh, people ask me. You know, uh, should I get a, an Apple? I said that's a it's a great tool, but you really need to look at um, is the school using Apple? Uh, you, you, just because you want to use it, you think it's a better system. It may not be better for the child because of the support system uh, surrounding them to get help as they need it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I really didn't think of it that way, but I could truly see how if a child with low vision or maybe the child's blind, if he has an iPad and his older brother in high school is using an iPad and that older high school kid has normal vision, you know, this kid just thinks that he's using the same thing as his older brother is. 
and he's exactly. not using something for the blind or, or, or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. Wow. Hey, now, uh, Keith, are there any specific types of applications that that you have have seen parents purchase or that you purchase and recommended for the students that are really really good for kids who are under under five years of age you know maybe where they're beginning to learn the alphabet and numbers and symbols shapes are there any applications that you you could think of off the top of your head that are really good for our listeners well you know i i um I don't really, my students start at five years old. We, um, you know, in kindergarten and, um, I don't, we, we will, we, we really like, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, um, Elmo. There's another, oh. there's a lot of really good, um, Elmo apps with ABCs and numbers and counting and things like that. I think the low vision apps, I mean, uh, the apps that, that, that are normally, uh, Downloaded from the App Store uh, for low vision kids. I, I think um, well, it just depends on how low vision their 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 vision is. But but a lot of the 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 um, preschool and 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 uh, in that area, a lot of them the, the size of the objects that are being you know swirled around on the screen and, and manipulated, they tend to be larger with uh, higher contrast and uh, not so busy. Um, we what we tend to do is we we download apps and find that some apps have one feature that we really like and then uh, other apps that have different features that we really like. So it's really I don't have a whole lot of um, apps that we use uh, on the iPad that uh, like that, but but we sure like Elmo. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, you know it's also great because you know this means that you could use Elmo apps and things, and you don't have to buy all of these special software programs that are just only for kids with low vision, you know? Yeah. So it, it makes it that much more adaptable. So that, that so, really so if I could throw more, one more thing out there. Um, we we yeah. do like Voice Dream Reader. It's a book reading app that we can download books from Bookshare that most people are familiar with. It's really good. But recently I found out about an app called Epic. If you go to uh, getepic.com, it's an Epic? app you can get. Epic, yes, E-P-I-C. GetEpic.com. Um, you can de- it, it's a multi-platform application that you can download on your co- computer. It's either your computer or your iPad. And um, what's really nice about it is that it, you can download. They have about um, about fifty thousand books that um, that are geared towards kids that are uh, younger, up until like sixth grade. And what's really nice about it is that. Uh, it's a you can uh, adjust the, the the font size of the pictures you, or the, the print, but the pictures are presented in the book in color, so you see an actual page of out of the book, and it's um, so it's a, an actual page. But you you can do the pinch gestures to enlarge the print or shrink it, and you tap a button to have it read. You, know, you can control the highlighting like you would in VoiceStream. The features that we really like in VoiceStream. And you can, what's really powerful about it is, is that you can download books or you can search for books using criteria that you use. Like we are a school that, that participates in something called the Accelerated Reading Program where the kids can read specific books that have tests associated with them and they can earn points at their school, which gives them, you know, they, they earn enough points to get recesses. So there, there's, there's a, a whole big program with Accelerated Reader. And they have a large number of these accelerated books. But what's really, really nice about it is you can control the colors. It's all in color. It's like you're looking at a page out of the book, but it has a lot of the same features that you would find in Voice Stream Reader, which is really nice. Wow, that's great. And, it's, and it is free for um, use by teachers in school. And kids can go to school, take the, the iPad to school or whatever device it is and download the books and then bring them home. But if parents want to participate and, and uh, have those books available to them at home, there is a subscription fee. I think it's like $7 a month, which is really nice if you've got kids at home that you want to read to or have them read or you want to have them uh, use a variety of technologies to, to get the reading done. It's, it's a great uh, app. Wow. You know, I recall 
I recall a, um, a company, and they would provide audio books, and it was called audible.com, and they would send you a, a tape player, and they would send you cassette tapes of these books. Now, nowadays, is it such that can you download books from audible.com onto whether it's a, a notebook computer or the iPad or even a cell phone? Can you do that nowadays? I think a lot of people are using their smart speakers like the uh, Echo Dots and Echo yeah, uh, yeah. Echo devices. And, and it has a really nice interface with um, Audible where you can um, download books and, and have your whole library at, at, at a uh, voice call, you know, just tell it to, to open Audible and have it download the book. I have not done it with my phone or my computer. It's just really convenient with my uh, my my Echo Dot. You know, I have that uh, uh, Alexa, and mm-hmm. that is it is such a fantastic tool. But I didn't know that it, it had those types of uh, Audible books. And how much is a subscription? Do, do either of you know? How much is a subscription to Audible? Probably somewhere around, around ten, twelve bucks. I'm, I know that they have different subscription uh, schedules where if you buy a year or you can go buy, go monthly type of thing. I don't, I'm not sure, Jillian. Do you know? No, I don't know offhand. But I but I believe you're right. They've got various different ways of, of buying it, where you can subscribe or you can get uh, so many books at any given time. As long you know, so. It's just something you got to look into, but um, but like Keith was saying, it, it's very flexible. You can play it on your smart speakers. You can also play it on your devices, and I think you could even have it to where like it it syncs across. So you know, if you started reading uh, and you stopped reading in a certain area, you might be able to pick up the other device and and continue on, uh, you know, where you oh. left off. Wow. Hey, now, Julian, I know that you're, you're very, very interested in uh, cell phones and that type of technology. Are you aware, can you listen to the Audible books or the Get Epic books also on some of the different cell phones, like the iPhone? Um, I haven't played with Epic, um, not much with Audible either. But yeah, I, I, I do believe you can. You can uh, you can stream them on, on any of your devices or download to your devices. Just depends on the uh, type of subscription you have. As far as Epic goes, you you can uh, stream to your iPhone. Yeah, anything yeah. iOS. Mm-hmm. Straight. As well as Windows. Yes, and Apple. Wow, that's that really makes it really makes it so easy for the kids, too, because, you know, maybe they have a, a book that they need to read, and on the way home they could listen to it, or that maybe their brother's got basketball practice and they have to go to the gym with mom, and, and they, could, they could, you know, access these types of things, even if they have low vision, whereas before, uh, you know, the kids wouldn't be able to do it, so... Julian, are you still there? I don't know if you got cut off or not. Yes, I'm here. Okay. Hey, you know what I wanted to ask you, Julian, because I I know that uh, you're you're very, very knowledgeable. Can you tell us what are your thoughts right now about these phones that are available right now? Because we have phones that are ranging from, you know, $300 to $1,500, and uh, my my daughter has been sort of asking me to buy her that new iPhone. <laughs> yeah, that new, she probably wants the iPhone 11 Pro Max, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, it's it, they're not cheap, that's for sure. You know, it, it really depends on how she's going to use it. It also depends on what she currently has. You know, she's got last year's phone. Honestly, unless she's really, really big into photography, uh, it may not make as much sense to do that upgrade. But, you oh. know, if she's, if she's got something from two or three years ago and she really does like photography, I mean, there's really a, there's been a major improvement with these new uh, iPhones and the uh, the camera function, not to mention the, the battery life, the, the faster processor, all that stuff. And the Pro Max in particular is going to have some really nifty features, like where 
you can have record simultaneously from the back and the front camera. So you could be recording a video, uh, and and in that video you'll see yourself as well as what the camera behind the phone is saying. So you could do an interview with somebody, or you could be taking a walk somewhere and narrating what you're seeing. So I mean, there's, there's a lot of neat stuff in there. So it really just depends on how uh, you know how old is what she's got. How big is she in the photography? You know how she's going to use it and that sort of thing. So, you know, and it, that's it, what it really comes down to. It's like you were saying too, Julian, that these phones are actually very high-powered computers. I was listening to uh, this gentleman, Leo Laporte, who's on the radio, and he was just saying, Leo. <laughs> "Yeah, he said these aren't these aren't just telephones; these are computers." They could do major computing, and anything you could do on your computer, you really could do these things on the phone. And uh, yeah. would you agree with that, that they do have that type oh, of absolutely. computing power? It's like I said earlier, the, the, the new iPhone 11, probably more powerful than what most people have sitting on, uh, on their desktop <laughs> or even the laptop they're carrying around. It, it's, it's very powerful in terms of processor. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, the built-in, the memory, uh, the, it's got more RAM in it this year. They, they've put in much bigger batteries into them now. So, for example, the Pro Max, I think it's something like four hours longer uh, battery uh, use time than, than, the, uh, than the previous iPhone XS Max. So, uh, I mean, there's major improvements in, in those areas. So these are every bit, if not actually more powerful than what most people traditionally think as computers. Well, I, I would say that the benefits of having that type of camera also, if you have a child who has low vision or is blind, uh, they would be able to literally take a picture of what Mr. Christian has on the dry erase board, and that camera could read it out loud. Well, yeah, there, there are apps that do that quite nicely. In fact, there's apps that, that will do even better where you don't even have to snap the picture. You just point the camera and it starts reading aloud the text that it identifies. Wow, what what is that app called? Uh, the the the, uh, the two that come to mind is uh, Seeing AI from Microsoft, which is free. It's got a uh, a, a text reading uh, oh. channel, as they call it. Uh, there's also one called Envision AI, which is a subscription or, or a paid uh, type of app. Mm. But it has some really neat features. In fact, what I like about Envision AI. It's the only one I've come across so far where I could point it to the uh, the little digital display on my oven, and it'll actually read the temperature that it's set to. Oh, wow. Gosh, that is great. Now, Keith, have you had many of your students using their their cell phones as a computer in the classroom, or have you had any of them using Be My Eyes that a person will be on the other end of the telephone line and it will tell the low vision student what is in front of them or what they want to see. Well, I think we tend to use more of the seeing AI where if a student is in a classroom where um, a teacher hands out a handout and they want to know what it is, they can just hover the camera over the uh, the page, I'm sorry, the iPhone or iPad over the page and it'll start reading it to to them, um, but we all, but we do what we do a lot with um, iPhones and iPads is, is, is which is very popular is, is um, Google Drive docs and and uh, slides. That's where we really use those portable devices a lot, along with the Chromebooks. But but the iPhones have a real simple interface with uh, which they can uh, complete assignments in class along with their sighted peers or you know non visually they they um they uh they they they've had to make the the system or the application more uh, streamlined to actually fit on the uh, screen of a smaller device like an iPad to make it so that or or an iPhone so that'll make it just easier for the kid to get in there and um, click on the buttons without having to search through a lot of uh, of menus and things to get to download the assignment insert. You know your your uh, you know essay and and uh, post it and, and also share um, comments. So they have to go in and comment on other people's assignments and things like that. So that's what we pretty much do the most with the iPads and iPhones is Google. 
No, as, the world as, according to Google. Uh huh. As a teacher, how do you feel, or how do many other teachers feel, about the dictation programs that are in these phones? I mean, when I send a text message to somebody, I could just speak it into my phone, and it is amazing at how accurate it is, even when I'm using medical terms. It really is amazing. I've had students recently that have mobility uh, issues as well, where they they're hand, they have hand tremors, and but they could um, trigger the dictate button and uh, be able to dictate their assignments and and be able to send it off as an email and and to be able to do that as a kiddo with a variety of different uh, impairments to be able to complete assignments using dictation has been tremendous. And you're right, the uh, the um, the dictation, uh, the recognition, the recognition is just getting better and better, and it's pretty simple to um, do uh, to give an undo or a redo and just try again. Um, editing still, I think, is a, a little bit of a challenge, but sometimes when you're dictating a lot, it seems like a really good technique is to dictate a sentence or two at a time, and then uh, stop the dictation and then just continue. Uh, dictating uh, in small chunks instead of a, like a long paragraph and requiring even more editing. So, oh, okay, it, it seems to be a little better that way, huh? Well, that, especially when it comes to editing, if you want to edit, it seems to, to uh, it, it's easier to edit a few sentences at a time than say uh, if you were to dictate a paragraph and there's a lot of errors. I, it, I guess it just depends on your circumstance with a kid with. Uh, um, with tremors and things like that, it seems to really help out to just do shorter uh, dictations. Well, Keith, have have there been other applications that some of your students have used in in the classroom uh, with their iPhones or cell phones that you have permitted or that you recommend? It's a good question, and we we I, I would like to say I really like Google, but <laughs> we we do use. Um, Google Docs and Chrome or uh, slides and things. It's just it's pretty easy to use and it's gotten better. Um, but but I, I would say the like the uh, the Sing AI app is really tremendous. Um, um, trying to think of other apps besides Voice Dream Reader and Epic. Um, I also for keyboarding I really like the the APHs. Um, they have um, the Talking Typer, which is a real simplified. Um, keyboarding program and what's nice about that is that I can work with my my younger kids my younger students that have it's it's kind of hard to explain but posture is everything I think I think you need to be sitting up straight you need to have your feet flat on the floor and you need to have your arms at the right height and a lot of times our desks and our chairs are set up for kids who are taller so for me to have um, a, a five-year-old work at a desk that's really designed or height-wise for a kiddo that's in third, fourth, through sixth grade, whatever, um, yeah. I'm having to adjust the height of the chair boxes for their feet just to get their arms at the right height. So what I found is that instead of doing that, I'll use an iPad with a Bluetooth keyboard and have them sit at their own desk that has that's already lowered to meet their height specifications. And uh, that seems to help out a lot just as far as, like, um, ergonomics go and, like, that sort of thing. So... Keyboarding is essential, and uh, talking typer, and also they have a math um, app called, uh, not math flash, it's for the PC, Math Robot, which is really good. And those apps work with, with uh, Bluetooth keyboards, but uh, but also with Braille displays as well. So wow. Those are some good apps. Hey, Julian, now I, I have heard a lot of people uh, talk about how much that they like the new phone, is it from, now, is it Google or the Amazon Amazon phone that is very affordable, but it's supposed to also have a very good camera? Um, are you familiar with that phone, and is it a, a very beneficial phone for people with low vision, or is it really well, much? I, I, I'm thinking you're probably referring to the Google Pixel phones, which is basically the phones that are made uh, for Google. And the, yeah. the beauty of those is that uh, they come with Google's version of Android right on them. They get the updates right away. 
and uh, they also often don't have a lot of the same uh, bloatware uh, to be polite that uh, some of the carrier branded phones have. So, and oh. actually, from what I understand, the camera in that Pixel phone is supposed to be one of the best out there. And actually, uh, pretty soon, Google is going to be announcing the Pixel 4. I think it's on the 15th of this month. They're supposed to be having an event where they're yes. going to be on the Pixel 4. So That's right. those are good phones, 15. too, for anybody who's uh, wanting to dabble on the Android side of things. I have a Pixel 3, and I really like it. And, and they're very affordable, right? Aren't they under $500? Well, no, over the years, uh, it used to be that when you got the Google, when at the time they called them Nexus phones, those were cheaper than flagship. But over the years, Google's kind of sort of realized that, uh, hey, we can make money just like Apple and Samsung do. So they've kind of raised their prices to, to meet uh, or get close to what I would call flagship pricing. But they did... Uh, Mid-cycle of the uh, of the Pixel 3 introduced something called the Pixel 3 uh, 3A or something like that, which is supposed to be a lower cost version of the Pixel. It has it's, it's missing a few of the uh, innards, and I think it's made the the back is made of plastic as opposed to, to glass or things like that. Uh, and that was a good value phone as well. So typically, uh, if they well if they stick to what they started uh, this last year. Uh, you might see that coming maybe sometime uh, next year, where like in the middle of the cycle they'll introduce that. But I think for starters with the Pixel 4, uh, I would expect those to be pretty close to flagship pricing. Wow, that's great. That is really, really great. You know, all the parents on the call tonight, you're going to have a lot of options of what to buy your kids for Christmas or <laughs> this holiday season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody wants to adopt uh, wants to adopt us, they can put us on that list too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh gosh! But you know what? I was really pleased to see is that a, a lot of the technology, including uh, laptop computers, a lot of them seem to have come down in price. I I was expecting to pay over a thousand dollars for my laptop computer, but. I was able to find one for about five hundred and eighty-nine dollars, a Lenovo, and uh, I'm getting happier with it. But I was not real happy when I first purchased it because the keys, the function keys, and all of these shortcut keys that I had memorized from my Windows computer, they changed it on this latest version of Windows, and. Uh, Julian, are you aware of some of these changes? And I don't know when this latest version of Windows came out, but well, it's Windows very different. 10 has been around for a while now, and according to Microsoft, it, this is what they call the last version of Windows you'll ever have to get. But really, that's a somewhat a misnomer because what they do is uh, once or twice a year they push out a major update. And, yes, oftentimes those major updates change things, break things, you know. It's just the mm -hmm. way it goes with new software. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things where you have to kind of, you know, roll with the punches. And, and again, it's one of the reasons why I find myself more and more recommending mobile devices over uh, full-fledged computers to people because because it is so complex. It, uh, it's just a lot more things that can go wrong, a lot more things that to have to remember. So... Unless you're in a situation where you need to have that kind of productivity that's afforded by a full-fledged Windows computer or even a Mac, uh, the mobile devices are pretty darn good and they're a lot less complex. But, yeah, I, I feel your pain. One thing I wanted to mention real quickly about the, the – you mentioned the cost of these Windows PCs coming down. It is true, and they, they've really made a push toward getting under $500, but – one thing that uh, that does unfortunately uh, come with these lower cost computers is lack of good support. Uh, the way that these companies uh, are able to cut the prices to make the computer be under that certain amount is by stripping it down and taking away some of the perks that we used to take for granted when we would buy a computer from a major manufacturer like Lenovo. Uh, oftentimes, it means that they don't come with support. It means if you want support, you're going to have to pay for that support. That's one thing to keep in mind. If, if having oh. that kind of hand-holding is important to you, then uh, you may not necessarily want the, the sub-$500 Windows computer. Now, what, what have you 
learned are really some of the bare bone minimum that people should think about when they are purchasing a, a computer. For example, how big of a hard drive do they need and how much RAM do they need? So a really good way, and I, I always credit my sources when I give this example, because there used to be a guy on the radio here years ago. His name was Jeff Levy. He's uh, since oh, passed yeah. away. But he gave a really good way of explaining RAM and hard drive space that, that makes so much sense, and, and I, it's stuck in my brain. <laughs> if you think about a, a desk, at the top of your desk is your workspace. That is the equivalent of your RAM. So the more RAM you have, the bigger your workspace. It means you can have several projects open, several books open, several things going on all at the top of your desk that you can move back and forth you know, to, to work on. The smaller the top of your desk or the more cluttered your workspace, it means that you can't be as productive on that space. So more RAM means more workspace, and, and today's software especially needs a lot of RAM to really run efficiently. So that's something to think about. Hard drive space, think of it as the drawers of your desk. So the more drawers, the deeper the drawers, the more files, the more things you can store in there. So if you're going to be storing a lot of stuff, uh, then you want to get more storage space. Uh, SSD drives are really good because they're they're uh, they're not the they're, they're not the spinning drive, so they they're a lot faster, but they are more expensive. So uh, again, it just depends on your needs. But uh, more more storage space uh, for more. Uh, things that you're going to do is good. More RAM to have more workspace, uh, also important. But um, even before all that, the thing I always say to ask yourself is, what is this thing going to do for me? What, what am I going to be using this machine for? If you're going to be using it to do just average mundane things like reading your email, responding to email, you know, doing the occasional Word document, spreadsheet, you know, looking at Facebook or Twitter, things like that, uh, maybe even watching the occasional YouTube you don't need a, a workhorse uh, machine there. You, you don't have to go top of the line with a lot of things. You can go with more of the average, the middle-of-the-road stuff. I think Windows 10, for example, the minimum RAM that uh, it needs to run efficiently is 4 gigs. So um, oh, you know, if you're going to be doing regular stuff, then you don't need to, to uh, go all out on the RAM. But if you're going to be doing a lot of video, photo editing, you know, music editing, things like that, things that, that, that are that require you to have more workspace, then, yeah, you're going to want to, you know, go all out and get the 16 gig, 32 gigs, whatever, uh, of RAM, because that gives you more workspace. And the same with, the, with your storage. Obviously, those projects take up a lot of space, so uh, yeah, the, the more the better. So it really depends on what you're using the machine for. Now, if we're talking about the Windows-based uh, computers, one of the things that I noticed that the salesperson was really encouraging me, he was really encouraging me to purchase one of these Chromebook notebook computers, and he was telling me how the Chromebooks are, are much more affordable. And uh, I really didn't know a whole lot about it, but I also wasn't certain how well it might run if we are using special low-vision magnification software or low-vision speech software. Uh, Keith, have you had much experience with any of these Chrome notebook computers? Yeah, we use them quite extensively at school. Oh, you um, do? They're, yeah, we use them quite a bit. They're, they, they're, they're not, um, I would call them full-fledged computers as far as, like, running applications that were used like Word and, you know, the... The types of applications we'd run on a on a, on a PC. It's a it's a cloud-based operating system that that uses basically Google Docs, Drive, Classroom, any you know YouTube things you would do on the internet is what it's really good at doing. It's it's not really you it's not really um, designed for you to install JAWS on Word and uh, you know video editing software and stuff like that. Uh, you basically use the software that it comes with, and you, you you can download other apps for it, like you would a mobile device. But it's it's um, basically the, the beauty of it is that every you don't need to have a hard drive spinning 
which uh, reduces the amount of battery usage. Um, you have a lot less uh, threats to viruses and things like that. Um, we we use them a lot at school, and uh, they seem to like them because you can do something called a power wash on them to whenever they get uh, um, corrupted or if there's an issue, they can just push a button and it just resets it to factory defaults. And you just log into it with your uh, username and password and it goes online and downloads all your settings and everything's stored in the cloud. So it's like you have a brand new refreshed image of your operating system as it was before you, uh, um, you had any issues. And the other nice thing about it is that you can go to any Chromebook, log in with your username and uh, password, and you would have access to the environment that you've created for yourself as far as, like, screen enlargement, the mouse, or the mouse pointer, you know, uh, uh, customization. You know, you can tweak a lot of things like you can on the PC for the mouse and, and uh, the background and foreground uh, colors and print size and things like that. So it's really a stripped-down computer, but uh, there there are a lot of advantages but disadvantages. If you're going to be doing a lot of uh, stuff that, you know, uh, that needs to be done offline, it's not the device for you. Um, but if you're going to be doing the, the simple stuff of doing a, a, Word, a Google document online once in a while or, or a lot, <laughs> it's all online. Um, doing It's great for YouTube videos and email and and uh, that sort of stuff. But uh, if you need a power horse, it, it, you may want to look at more of a, uh, a PC or a, uh, a, Mac and, uh, a Mac computer. I understand. So, Keith, does that mean that let's say that I had a child who has low vision and my child's a second grader, mm-hmm. and I want to get her a laptop computer, does that then mean that I don't have to buy a word processor like Microsoft Word. I don't have to buy Microsoft Office. I don't have to buy any of those software programs. I just get them online for free. Exactly, and and it's exactly, wow. and it's an it's an ideal tool for um, for young kids. And if they have touch screens, you can still do the same sorts of uh, gestures on the screen that you would like on an iPad to enlarge text and shrink it down. Um, so there's a lot of advantages. Um, you're not as concerned about the computer getting damaged as far as, like, kids downloading spyware or uh, uh, viruses and things like that as well. It's, it's, a, it's a great tool, I think, for um, young kids learning keyboarding and, and doing the basic word processing and Internet surfing research and, you, and the YouTube thing. Now, how about you mentioned that it has a built-in magnifier, so that is really, really helpful. The parents don't have to go out there and buy a screen magnifier such as ZoomText, which is about $600. What about Mm -hmm. for speech, like a person such as myself who is totally blind and I use JAWS to enable my computer to talk to me and tell me it's on the screen? Will this Chromebook run a program such as JAWS or Will it allow me to get JAWS online for free? So it does not use JAWS. It uses something called Chromevox. It's their own version of a screen reader. Um, and you can just activate it by holding on the Control-Alt keys together and pressing the letter Z. That will toggle the screen reader on and off. And uh, you can do the same with uh, the um, the screen enlargement software as well. The, um, the, the screen reader, though, Chromevox, it has a, a, a different interface, so you'd be learning some different commands for uh, navigation and things like that. But after a while, you get used to them, but it's a whole other uh, operating system. that it, It's usable. It, it's getting better all the time. Um, I don't prefer it because I think, you know, I'm just too old to learn new tricks, but um, <laughs> I'm forced to. But, but I do like it some in some ways, but I just... Um, don't really care for it because it's not Jaws and not what I'm used to. You know what I mean? The kids yeah. seem to do fine with it. They they just take it and run with it. They don't care. You know, they just if it provides access to them, they can do what they want to do and get it and go. That's all they care about. 
Wow, that's great. Yes, and I think if they learn that early on, then they're going to be accustomed mm-hmm. to that. Wow, so that that's is... what all the other kids are using in their classes as well. It's that 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 uh, factor of I'm not using anything different, you know. It's what everybody else is using. Oh, yeah. Hey, Julie, now one of the things that you mentioned early on, and, and it is a very, very good point, is that we often think of computers. I remember the first computer I had, it was a huge tower, and there's all these wires coming out. Then I connected it to my monitor and my keyboard and my mouse. I mean, there was so much stuff all over my desk. It was really a mess. But at this point in time, with the developments of the laptop computers, do you feel that for most students, they would actually be better off with a desktop computer or a laptop? Or how do you sort of help them to make that decision? Again, I think uh, what Keith was saying makes a lot of sense. You really want to find out what they're using in the classroom because what they're using in the classroom and at school, uh, you kind of want to mimic that at home as opposed to uh, going completely different. And honestly, you know, one of the uh, one of the good ways to understand a Chromebook versus a full-fledged uh, desktop or laptop, you know, a Chromebook is more of a terminal that depends on everything being uh, online. It, uh, it doesn't, it, it just, it's almost like if you think about it, when you go to the airport and, the, and you go to check in and they're typing into a computer, that's not a real full-fledged computer in the way you and I think about what sits on our desktop. It is a computer terminal that connects to a network and is accessing everything it needs through a network. So it doesn't have this stuff locally. So Chromebook is is very much like that, where a a desktop or laptop, everything that it needs primarily is is on board. You've installed software. I mean, it still uses the Internet to connect to websites and things like that. But for your word processing, for for your screen reader, you know, all this stuff, it's all installed in there. So because it has that capability, it's also more complex, and and there's more room for for, uh, (laughs) confusion. There's more room for bad things to happen, you know, if that thing gets infected or whatever. Unlike the Chromebook, like what Keith was saying, it's got that power rush. You just hit that button and it literally just wipes the whole thing off and you start fresh. <laughs> because again, it's a it's a terminal. So right. all you do is re-log into it and you're back to you're you're back to normal again. So it it just really depends on what they're gonna do. Like I said, I think if there's gonna be a lot of productivity stuff, a lot of video, photo or audio editing, you know, bigger things like that, that's when it really makes sense to have a, a bigger, you know, more of a full-fledged computer. But if most of what they're doing is doing Internet research, uh, word processing, uh, you know, all that stuff is now, you know, through a Chromebook, you, you just do that online and use Google services. So, oh, it, that's um, great. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense, though. So, if they have at so yeah, home, just, you know, yeah. if you, you buy want them to have at home what, they, what they're using in school. Right, that that's so smart. I, I didn't think about it that way. And and Keith, you know, as it relates to different school districts, I, I know that you're in Anaheim, but with other districts and such that you have visited, would you would you say is there a preference in most uh, school districts for the Windows PC, or is are they going more towards Macs? I know from what I have seen, Macintosh are very good computers. My wife uses a Mac, but they're they're quite expensive. Yeah, I'd say the number one thing for school districts is, is all my dollars. They want to save the money because it, it it is expensive to uh, upkeep um, the the, uh, the 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 operating system, whether it's Windows or 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 Apple. I don't think I think that's why districts are going towards Chromebooks is because of the expense. I know our school district, um, when we went Chromebook, they got rid of, of a whole department because what they did was they managed licenses and spent a lot of money for licensing uh, Office and, and Microsoft products. With, by going to Google, they saved so much money and eliminated enough of jobs as well. But, oh, um, I, wow, I really? Think yeah, I think I think the, that uh, it's motivated more by um, 
the features that they sell them on, like what you can do with Google and the cost savings and, and our, our school district, I'm noticing school districts all over the place, they're jumping on board to uh, go straight to the Google Chromebooks. Um, um, but, but, but I do notice that there are still a lot of districts that are, that are um, uh, really sticking to their guns with their iPads. And I think it just depends on some districts have more money than others, maybe, you know. Um, maybe there's more parent involvement that, that really demands it, depending on where you live, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm seeing a variety of different things. I'm not sure what's driving it, but I, but I know in our, I know in our school district, it was a huge cost savings, and uh, and I think we got a sweet deal on it, on ordering a large number of Chromebooks. Wow. Hey, now, uh, yeah. Julian... It sounds like then if a student is going to have a Chromebook, that student must have Internet access when they're at home. And I, I know there's a lot of different uh, Internet service providers. What are certain types of discounts? Are you familiar with discounts that a student with low vision might get from some of these carriers? Like, do you know, does AT&T or Verizon give a discount to kids with low vision? As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, yes, some Internet service providers have special programs that are meant for people who are on lower incomes to, to be able to get Internet for substantially less. In our area, for example, AT&T has uh, what they call the AT&T Access, and if you qualify, the way you qualify for it is that at least one member of the household has to be receiving uh, either a, a SNAP or you know CalFresh type benefits or SSI. So as long as one person in that household is receiving that assistance, that household can qualify for this discounted internet, and it's only ten dollars a month. Wow, so, and, really? And it's not bad, and you know it's 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 Great. not going to be the fastest internet. But it's also not going to be the slowest. You know, it just depends on what they're able to offer in your area. So, if, for example, if you have fiber or something like that in your area, you can get as high as like 10 megabit down and either one or two megabit up. So, like I said, not the fastest compared to, I mean, nowadays you can get like, you, know, you can get the three, 400 megabit down. If you're really lucky and you have a really good fiber area, you might even be able to get gigabit in. <laughs> but, um, that's uh, that's still not as common as I'd like it to be, but yeah, you, you can get you can get this internet in your home uh, for for a substantially reduced rate. Some of the cable companies, like in uh, in some areas, if you have Comcast, I think they have a similar program as well, where for like ten dollars a month, you can get uh, some a basic internet package from them. So it's just a good idea to go and research. <laughs> online or research with your internet service providers and see if they offer some kind of low income reduced rate uh, internet access. Oh man, that's great. Keith, have you heard of any of these plans uh, in addition to the AT&T access that Julian talked about? That's really the only one I've heard of and uh uh and I'm not sure how how available it is. I I would actually like to look into it for some of my students as well. I had not thought of that. Um usually you know, I was say usually uh, I noticed that uh, people are are like some some of our low income uh, students. They're they're uh, they're kind of like pitching into to to get Wi Fi access. In a couple of families that live next door to each other, you know. But that makes me think about asking them to look into uh, getting um, a low cost Wi Fi. That's a good idea. Yeah, these are some great, great suggestions. Hey, well, gentlemen, do you have a few moments to answer some questions from our audience if they have questions? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. If any of you have a, a question, go ahead and unmute your phone. I think we said it was star six to unmute your phone. Go ahead and introduce your name and who the question is for, and uh, we'll take it from there. All right? Okay, first question. Is anybody out there? <laughs> so that could either mean that we've uh, we've given such good information that nobody needs any clarification or we put everybody to sleep. Yeah. Or they can't find the star six. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, they're all busy uh, going and researching the stuff online that we've been giving. I think they all went to happy hour to watch the baseball game. <laughs> oh, yeah. So does anybody have any questions at all? Well, if not, I'm going to ask uh, uh, Mr. Christian, do you mind sharing your contact information if anybody wants to get in touch with you or ask you for assistance? Sure. Sure. My uh, email address is kcroadrunner, the number 9, at gmail.com, k-c-r-o-a-d-r-u-n-n-e-r-9 at gmail.com. Okay, just the letter K and the letter C, Roadrunner 9? Mm-hmm. That's correct. At where? At gmail.com. Oh, God, that, that's really amazing you were able to get that one. <laughs> Okay, great. And Julian, how about, uh, do you have a contact information? Yeah, certainly do. Uh, I do this uh, sort of thing. I teach people one-on-one, uh, uh, -on -one group training, consulting, that sort of thing. I can be reached via my website, www.techjv.com. That's www.tech, J as in John, V as in Victor, dot com. Or if somebody wants to uh, use the phone, they can reach me at area code 818-794-9554. Okay, that's 818-794-9554. Well, Julian and Keith, I, I really, really mean this from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you guys spending the time to share all of this information with our audience, and I know that this is going to make a big difference in the lives of so many of these kids, and we'll have you back next time when there's something new available in computers and cell phone technology. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks good for having us.